Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And today we're going to kind of do a roster recap, kind of uh, discussing where things are at with the high school class signed, a lot of that class enrolled the transfer portal class for this winter window probably uh, wrapped up. We'll see Uh, today. I believe as, as we're recording this Gabby on Wednesday, January 24th, I think today's the last day to enroll at Miami. Um, But that's just for the winter window. There's still a spring window here upcoming in the final couple weeks of April. Uh, And then also too, just kind of talk about where each position group is at. I want to discuss, just have a discussion about the following, I guess, at each position group. Number one, retaining players. I think this is kind of an underrated factor going on now in the transfer portal era. Um, If you recruit at a high level, which Miami is doing uh, during this Mario Cristobal era, player retention is, is vitally important. When you sign talented players and they perform more times than not, you have to do what it takes to keep them on your roster or else other programs will provide them opportunities uh, for them to, to transfer. Another way of, of retaining players, of course, as well, is with NFL draft prospects, guys that might be borderline type NFL draft players. Uh, now in this NIL era, you can you can give them packages that are intriguing enough to maybe come back and develop one more year at the college level. So retaining players is kind of a key element in uh, roster construction in this modern era that kind of gets overlooked because there's not much hype and guys coming back a lot of times, but it is a big deal. Uh, we're going to look at the incoming and outgoing portal players, kind of the net gain or net loss of each position group in the portal. Uh, of course, notable losses to the roster, whether that's just traditional graduation or uh, NFL draft guys le- moving on to pursue careers at the professional level. Uh, 
We're going to discuss if there's any freshmen to keep an eye on, we think, here for this 2024 year. Um, and then I want to have a, a discussion, Gabby, on if each position group is good enough to help Miami go win 10 games. Because I think that needs to be the standard for this 2024 team. Can this team go in 10 games? And then we'll have a discussion at each position group. Are Is that position group 10 win or more caliber uh, in 2024? And then we'll wrap things up at each position group discussing whether or not Miami should explore some transfer portal options in the spring um, where that might apply at various position groups. So let's dive into it. And of course, we'll, we'll just start at quarterback. Um, I do think, Gabby, you know, if we're talking about players retained, that's where, we're, where we will start at each position group. I do think it's important to recognize that Miami retained um, their, their top two backups from the 2023 season in Jakari Brown and Emery Williams. Um, I think that is harder than people realize in this modern era where especially quarterbacks transfer regularly to pursue opportunities elsewhere because generally speaking, only one quarterback gets to play, right? So Miami keeps its quarterback depth intact with Jakari Brown, Emory Williams retaining them. They uh, had Tyler Van Dyke, last year's starter, enter the portal. He lands at Wisconsin. Uh, wish him the best of luck with his one remaining year of college eligibility. And then, of course, we know that incoming via the portal, Miami brings in Washington State's Cam Ward, who a lot of people viewed as the top talent in the portal in terms of impact here in this 2024 season. And of course, FCS transfer Reese Poffenbarger out of Albany. So, um, and then early enrollee freshman for the spring, Miami will have Judd Anderson, uh, true freshman available for the spring as well. So let's start here at quarterback, Gabby. Do you feel like this quarterback room is a 10 win position group? I think yes. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I, I do think it's a, a 10 win position group just because of Cam Ward, right? I mean, Miami, you, yeah. you talk about many people feel like Cam Ward's the top, uh, you know, was one of the top transfer quarterbacks. I definitely agree with that. Uh, you know, I, I think Miami was a quarterback like Cam Ward away from potentially being a 10 win team in, in 2023, right? Like I, I think we talk about yeah. like how, how narrow some of those, you know, games kind of win and how close it could have been or how, how maybe results could have been better with better quarterback play. Like I think Miami could have potentially creeped. I'm not saying they were that. I think they could have creeped into that uh, potential category with Cam Ward like quarterback play. So I think with Cam Ward in 2024 with hopefully a, a you know, better supporting cast around him. I, I mean, I think that Cam Ward is a, is a 10 win type of quarterback uh, with what Miami has kind of around him. Yeah. I think, you know, in terms of the better supporting cast around him, I think Miami's going to have a more seasoned supporting cast around him than maybe Tyler had. Uh, it's a lot of the same names, but they are more experienced and they produced in 2023, which is encouraging moving forward. But I do think to your point, like I think that Miami needed a playmaker at quarterback for this roster in 2024. And Cam Ward is that, uh, you know, since the 2004 draft, Miami has featured only one quarterback that was drafted 
and that was Brad Kaya in the 2017 draft. He was selected in the sixth round of that draft. And and look, at the college level, I don't know about what Cam Ward's going to be at the NFL level, but at the college level, Cam Ward is very good at getting the ball out fast in the quick passing game, which makes a passing attack efficient. It's also a staple of the air raid offense that Shannon Dawson is installing at Miami. He also brings that big play potential with his ability to improvise and buy time and hunt for some scramble drill type of explosive plays, chunk plays in the passing game. Uh, so I agree. It starts with Cam Ward. He elevated this room to being 10-win caliber good enough. But I also think, Gabby, we can't sleep on the backup quarterback depth that this room has now. Um, and, and that's a key part of of a of a position group being 10 win caliber. Um, you know, I don't think there is like with this group of Poffenbarger, Brown and Williams, I don't think there's like a clear cut. Okay. This is the next man up after cam ward type of situation. Like, like last year with Tennessee, right? They had Joe Milton and Nico Yamalavea. Everyone knew Nico was next man up, right? Talented five-star guy. Miami's situation is different because they have three guys that have started games at the college level. Jakari started, what, three, I think. Emory started two. Uh, Poffenbarger has started 20 at the FCS level. So they have experience starting, um, and they all kind of bring different strengths and weaknesses to, or different, they're different types of quarterbacks at this stage of their careers. I think Jakari is is kind of the high upside guy that's still figuring things out, putting it all together. Um, Poffenbarger is kind of the guy that, you know, has a lot of experience, though it's at the FCS level. Uh, he's kind of a wild card to me. Emery is kind of a guy where you know what you're going to get. Uh, the floor is kind of high, but the ceiling might be all, you know, not that high. Um, so, I think uh, it's an intriguing room. And, you know, you could make the argument, Gabby, that having your backup quarterback situation is one of the more important factors to navigating a season. The last three seasons, Miami has had to turn to a backup quarterback to start some games. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen this year. And look, Cam Ward has shown durability at the college level. Uh, but it is important to have that backup quarterback situation on point. You know, look at Florida State. The, the Seminoles had a significant drop-off at their backup quarterback situation, and that was the main reason why, if, you know, for being real, that was the main reason why they were left out of the college football playoffs. So you got to have your quarterback, your backup quarterback situation on point. I don't know who the backup's going to be at this stage, um, but I do think whoever ends up winning this backup battle is a it can have can be a solid contributor and he has experience at the college level so i do think this backup situation is also on point um you know considering cam ward is going to be the unquestioned starter in 2024 yeah i mean it's super important having a, a quality you know backup and i think miami's quarterback room for the first time 
I just feel good about it. And I think we talked about this a little bit when, when, when we were talking about Cam Ward and, and how important and big that is, but it's just the way that it sets up this room for, you know, again, I, I think there's going to be a true backup quarterback competition, which I think is good. I think it kind of keeps good. those competitive things. Like, they're, like, like to your point, there's not really keeps a clear guys on edge. Right. I think it, it, Jakari's got to bring it. Uh, Poffenbarger's got to bring it. Emery's got to bring it. All these guys are going to have to compete for that spot. And I think it just kind of creates that culture of competition without the need for those guys to maybe play sooner than they have to because you have yes. Cam Ward. So I think you kind of cultivate a culture of of competition and development, right? And I think that that's so important when you just, yeah, maybe like we saw a situation, I think past couple years where the quarterback room was just like kind of a train wreck. Like when Tyler got hurt in 2022, it was Jake Garcia and who was probably, probably wasn't ready. Uh, you yeah, know, too early. You yeah, know. Jakari, who wasn't ready. Even last year, Emery probably wasn't ready, but right. you know, Jakari's probably still not ready. Now this year, I feel like you just give all those guys to just a chance to continue to develop. And if something were to happen to Cam Ward, you know, God forbid, I think that you just I mean, I think you have to just have feel options. good about yeah, exactly. There's options and you just know gotta that, pick the right one. Yeah, and you don't feel and you don't feel like you're throwing someone in there that's not prepared yeah. for a situation like this. And I think for the first time and I don't know. I can't remember the last time I felt like good about whatever Miami's back quarterback situation was going to look like. But, you know, we don't obviously want to see that happen. But if it were to, I, I think I would feel as like confident as I've ever felt about whatever that situation looks like. So I think it's really important to have a, a full room, a complete room. And I think Miami has that. And again, it's, I think it just sets up, sets it up for the future as you continue to bring in quarterbacks it kind of creates that track, that line of development where you're not having to force one of these guys in again, as long as you can retain the room and maintain this right. type of, you know, continuity within it. And I don't think this group, Miami needs to address them in the spring. Of course, the spring window transfer no. portal. <laughs> um, I think it's to be determined. It Honestly, it depends on the competition and the way these guys develop during the spring and during next season. I think it's TBD in terms of uh, does Miami go out and get a transfer portal quarterback again uh, in you know the winter window next year following the 2024 season. So the ball's in their court, whether it's Jakari, Reese, or Emery, to kind of make us you know uh, take that first step into claiming uh, the 2025 starting job that starts here in the spring. Running back, you know, again players retained. Um, Mark Fletcher is a freshman that performed at a high level. And when you do that, you're going to garner attention. And he was the first true freshman to run for at least 500 yards at Miami since Joe Yearby back in 2014, I believe, uh, showed the ability to run with some contact balance, had a couple hundred yard games, uh, needs off season surgery and is expected to be a, a full go at some point in the summer. Uh, but it is important, again, that Miami, if you're going to recruit at a high level and those players perform early on in their careers, you have to take steps to retain them. They did that with Mark Fletcher. Uh, in terms of portal incoming and outgoing, they bring in uh, Rodney Hill from FSU uh, as a walk-on. Outgoing, Don Chaney goes to Louisville. Um, and, and so the room returns on paper, Mark Fletcher. Henry Parrish, AJ Allen as your top three backs. Do you feel like this is a 10 win position group? 
Yeah, I, I do just because I feel like if Mark Fletcher is 100%, I feel like he is a lead back. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I would probably lean yes here because I feel like Mark Fletcher is, you know, a, a really good college, you know, running back, you know, even this early in his career. And I think the depth is our, our, our experienced guys. You talk about A.J. Allen, who's going into his third year. Henry Parrish is going into year four or five. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. I, I think it would be five, right? I think um, so. And so you, you, I think you, ha- you, you have those veteran guys, uh, you know, kind of in the mix as well. And then, you know, you have some promising young players. Like, you know, I know they're super excited about Jordan Lyle, the freshman that comes sure. in in the summer. Uh, we saw Mark Fletcher coming in, in the summer last year and make an impact. Like is Jordan Lyle sure. on a similar track where he could potentially crack the rotation? Um, you know, I think you have guys with, with big time traits, like, like, uh, you know, Chris Johnson, uh, with that elite speed as he continues to develop, which we know he has, to, he's going to continue to develop and need to continue to develop. But I mean, I like the room in general, and I feel like there's enough talent, a good blend of just that top, that top tier of talent in Mark Fletcher, plus some veteran guys you can lean on who have talent. I think AJ Allen was kind of hampered by some hamstring injury that I think, you know, again, if he's fully healthy, I think Miami's still very excited about what he can give them. And then, you know, Henry Parrish, who's a guy who, you know, we saw that when he does have kind of those good games and he's kind of seeing it the right way that he can be impactful. So um, I, I think, I think that this is potentially a 10 win running back room. Uh, I, I would it's, say it's a 10 win running back room. If Mark Fletcher can stay healthy, right. If yeah. he starts dealing with some injuries during the course of the year, I don't feel that way. I like Mark Fletcher to me is clear RB one. Um, Henry Parrish and AJ Allen are good complementary backs. I don't necessarily think I don't think it's ideal for them to be in that running back one role. Um, and so, as long as Mark Fletcher is able to stay healthy, I do think it's it's good enough to be a ten win type of room. With that being said, Gabby, do you think this group needs to be addressed in the portal in the spring window? I think, like for me, I don't think it's like a huge need, uh, but to me, if there's a clear kind of lead back or guy that's produced at, at the college level to pair with Mark Fletcher, that would make sense to me. Like, for instance, right now in the portal, there's a guy available from Miami of Ohio and Rashad Amos. Mm-hmm. He goes 6'2", 224. He transferred down to Miami of Ohio from South Carolina. He ran for 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns this year. Somebody like that would intrigue me to pair with a Mark Fletcher, um, but I don't think it's like a significant need. I don't think it's a significant need either, But I, and I also think it's – kind of contingent on what the health of Mark Fletcher is, right? Like, you know, we, I think we need to see where he's at, uh, you know, at at that spring window. So this will be after the spring game. Of course, I think we'll have way more information about where Mark Fletcher is in his, you know, rehab process and, and things like that. But, you know, I just think the running back room is one of those situations where it's just worth again, throwing kind of bodies at it, which is why I'm kind of, I'm for the addition of Rodney Hill. Like I, I think that it's a good room to just make sure that you have the available body types to kind of just go and, and, and do whatever it is that you have to do. So let, let's say there is a potential lead back type or a guy that just pairs well with a guy like Mark Fletcher. Like I would personally do it, but I also know that that room is just kind of massive at this point. It's not the top priority. It's, it's not something right. that you need to go do. It would be kind of a luxury. I think if you can go yeah. out and get a, t- a type of guy like that, 
But I basically what I'm trying to say is I still think that there's room to elevate just the overall talent in the running back room. And if you can go find a guy to do that, I mean, I think it would be worth exploring, but I don't personally really see it happening again, unless there's something that is, you know, keeping Fletcher from being 100 percent or they don't see Fletcher being 100 percent for the season. But I'm I'm, I'm honestly okay with the room as it is. And that's probably how I expect it to, to kind of stay. Yes, I agree. I agree. Wide receiver. Um, I think it's worth, again, we'll talk about the players that were retained. Xavier Restrepo and Jacoby George. So Restrepo finished with over 1,000 yards. Jacoby George, over 800 yards. Uh, really leveled up their production here in year one of the Shannon Dawson air raid passing attack. I believe, Gabby, they are the top returning Power 5 duo at the same school year over year in the country. Um, So number one, they get credit for uh, producing in this system, but also I think it speaks to the system that Shannon Dawson can generate some production uh, out of what he inherited. Um, You know, portal incoming, they have not brought in a receiver to this point. Portal outgoing. Uh, Colby Young, who was the number three receiver for Miami in 2023, generated over just over 500 yards. He transfers to Georgia. Richard Smith, uh, who was the number four wide receiver, kind of the backup slot receiver to Xavier Restrepo, showed some Swiss Army knife ability, uh, you know, making plays in both the passing and the run game. He transfers to SMU. And then Frank Latson goes to UMass as well for his final year of eligibility. Um, Overall, how do you kind of view this group, Gabby? Because, and then of course you got some intriguing freshmen. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jojo traders coming in early and night night car as well. So two top 100 recruits in the country coming in as early and early freshmen. Um, A lot of movement here at this position group. I like the way I view this position group. I like the floor of the group. I think Xavier Restrepo is Mr. Reliable. I think Jacoby George has a lot of playmaking potential, but the consistency and the maturity and the focus at times can be frustrating. Uh, But I like those two guys as a starting point. But I still think the talent could be leveled up. I think the group could benefit from maybe adding a proven transfer that could slide in and fill Colby Young's spot from last year. I am intrigued by Isaiah Horton. I think, honestly, I think Isaiah Horton could produce just as well as Colby Young did if that's the route they go. Um, But anyways, this is a long way of saying, is this a 10 win position group. Honestly, I'm going to say no, I'm going to say just under to me. It's like a nine ish win position group. Um, But I don't think it's like bad. I just think like, like the way I look at it is Jacoby and Restrepo, they are productive, but are they the type of receivers that defenses game plan for? Are they the type of receivers that can consistently go and take over games? I don't know if that's the case yet. Maybe they can become that in 2024. Um, But I don't know if this group is quite a 10-win position group right now. 
I'm a hundred percent with you. Like, I, I don't know. And I think we're talking about 10 win position group. I think we're talking about like, for example, Cam Ward, I think is a NFL caliber quarterback. So, you know, Mark Fletcher, I think he's a running back that can play in the NFL. And I'm looking at Jacoby George and Xavier Strip. And I think that there's NFL potential, you know, Xavier Strip was a slot guy. Jacoby George, I still think, again, a lot of the things that you mentioned are the same concerns I have. And the reason why I don't feel like maybe this is a 10-win position group is because I'm not sure that there's a surefire NFL guy. I don't know guy. if they get drafted. Right, exactly. And yeah. so I think that there's a clear need for a – and we talk about both – and it's crazy. And I don't say this in a way that's like – I'm not trying to take away from what Jacoby George and Xavier Strippo did produ- from a productive pro- productivity They're standpoint. They're good college receivers. Right. They're good college receivers. But, but I still feel like Miami's missing wide receiver one, right? Like, you know, I still yes. feel like they are missing that big outside wide receiver. And we're talking about J- Colby Young as wide receiver three. And I think a part of the reason, you know, I'm not, not even saying the part of the reason why he's not here, but I just think what Miami would like to have in that role is not wide receiver three. I think they want wide receiver one at that spot, right? Like, yeah. I think they want a big play outside wide receiver who's going to be the guy that commands the attention, the guy that's going to be the guy that they kind of feed when they kind of need a play. And Jacoby George made a ton of plays there were times again he could have made plays he could have established himself as that guy and still and and just didn't you know I think he's still in in, he's still developing in that way of just being more consistent I think they want that wide receiver one on the outside opposite of him and I think that would make I think that's going to help all I think it's going to help Restrepo I think it's going to help Jacoby George by having a true outside wide receiver one type and so that's why I don't think that this is a 10-win team and look and I think I mean we're talking about I, I may be getting a little bit ahead of myself, David, here, but just talking about does this room need like to be addressed in the transfer portal? Absolutely. And I also think it's just a priority. I think it's a priority for Miami yeah. to go out and get a big outside wide receiver. I think they really tried here in the in this winter window. It's just nothing really kind of came together for them. They tried with Jeremiah Smith, right? So he yeah, was the definitely. first guy they tried mm-hmm. with the high school recruit. Right. Then they also tried with what, two or three yeah transfer options it just and and honestly unfortunately what the most frustrating thing to me about this cam ward dragging out process was this because if cam ward commits to miami i don't know five days after visiting miami when he took his official visit i think there's a chance they lance one of these guys i don't know which one but i think they land one of them well, I mean, I think, and again, this is all in hindsight and whatever it is, what it is. But I think if Cam Ward would have committed five days sooner than he actually did, like I'm not yeah. even talking about like when he did it. I think if he, I think there was New just, Year's Day if, if he, instead if he, of right doing if he the would, NFL draft video, right? If he would have done Miami on New Year's Day when he went to the NFL draft, like he probably should have. I mean, I think my I think there's a really good chance Miami gets a guy like C.J. Daniels, right? Who's who went to LSU out of Liberty. I think he was yeah. really eager, looking, waiting to see what Miami was going to do at quarterback. Reese Poffenbarger, you know, truthfully didn't move the needle for some people in his camp. But I think by the time that Cam Ward was there, and even when there was mumbling, rumblings that Atalia Tagovailoa might have been the guy, I think he was kind of interested, but he needed to wait and see at that point what was going to happen. And it was just too late. It was too tight. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, CJ Daniels was one that Miami really tried on, but just couldn't get the quarterback situation figured out. Like he would have been huge. Uh, you know, they like Jeremiah Hunter who transferred to Washington, uh, but you know, just didn't really get the traction that they wanted there from he transferred to Washington from Cal. 
didn't get the traction there that they would have liked. Uh, you know, they love Dion Burke, who's not really a bigger wide receiver, but I think they felt like he was the best wide receiver in the transfer portal uh, who transferred to Oklahoma from Purdue. Uh, so they definitely tried with some guys, weren't able to kind of figure it out. But again, I think now in the spring, now that Miami has uh, Cam Ward and everyone right. knows who Miami's quarterback is going to be, I think that there's going to be uh, plenty of eyes or plenty of people who are going to be interested by an opportunity to potentially be a wide receiver one in this Miami offense, considering the returning production, what they've already done. And so I think in the spring spring window, that's going to be probably one of the top priorities is going out and getting a wide receiver one. The impression I'm under Gabby is, is uh, when we're talking about Colby Young and Brashard Smith moving on, I think there was more heated internal debate about whether or not they needed to do what it took to keep Brashard than Colby, just because they, they do recognize Brashard's a, a big time talent. Maybe they could have done a better job of utilizing his talents in 2023. Uh, but I think, I do think at the end of the day, they felt like, okay, we're bringing back Restrepo, which I'm fine with. And, uh, you know, that kind of limits the opportunities Brashard mm-hmm. gets anyways. Plus they have Ray Ray Joseph on the roster. They had, they're bringing in night car. Yeah. Um, so I think there was more of a heated debate about Brashard than Colby, which goes to your point of like, they just want a game changing outside receiver to add to these Restrepo and Joe Jacoby George types that can be honestly even more dangerous if there is a clear cut wide receiver one on the field with them that really commands the attention of a defense. Um, before we move on, let's just quickly, what are your like expectations on a Jojo trader or a Nikar or maybe even Isaiah Horton here in the spring? Cause they, those guys have an opportunity to yeah. make a statement in the spring. What do you think? I mean, is it too much to put on a guy like Jojo and I, do you think Isaiah Horton has a chance? What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Like, I think they're going to give those guys plenty of opportunities. Like, I'm curious about where they're going to line JoJo up, right? Like, are they going to kind of throw him in that in that or, or on that or Isaiah Horton side of the field, or are they going to throw him like behind Jacob that Jacoby George side? Like, right. where, where where are they going to line up JoJo? Because he could do so many things well, and uh, you know, I think he's got to play one of those outside spots. So I'm curious where JoJo competes uh, and where where they're going to give him an opportunity. Uh, I'm not quite sure if he's kind of ready to be that like guy that's kind of like plug in like plug and play on the he outside. He is kind of thin. He's yeah, kinda... I think, I, I, and I'm also very curious what he's going to look like in eight months. You know, I think that he can develop physically well. Isaiah Horton, I, 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 I do think that there's something there, like kind of like to what you're saying. Like if I you agree. gave him all the same reps that that Colby Young got, what does he do? I kind of go back to that Texas A&M game. You know that big play yeah. he made on the outside where he kind of stacked you know, stacked the corner. That was a big him. play. You know that that was a that was a nice play. Like that was a flat, like a big time flash from Isaiah. It changed Horton. the game in a lot of ways. Definitely, uh, and and that was an Isaiah Horton play. Like he he right. did that. Um, you know, so and he had I, he. I mean, it's not, it wasn't like ultra impressive, but he, he caught five passes for 54 yards against Rutgers, yeah. which essentially was the game average for Colby Young. Yeah. Um, now, I do think they need to go out and get a wide receiver one in for the sure. portal. But if if it's Isaiah Horton that, you know, nothing happens in the portal, it's Isaiah Horton. And he's, I think he's, he's a big guy. physical guy. He can produce like Colby did, I, yeah. I guess is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, all right, tight end. Um, all the top tight ends are, are basically coming back. Jaleel Skinner uh, is the one guy leaving via the portal. 
uh, I believe what Louisville, if I yeah, have that right, mm -hmm. uh, talented guy, but just not, not really a fit. I don't think for a Mario Cristobal type program lacked consistency, lacks physicality. Um, so hopefully he can put it all together at, at a place like Louisville. Um, cause he, he does have some talent. He, he can yeah. run and he is long, but he yeah. needs to work on other parts of his game. Um, to me, Gabby, this position group kind of boils down to one thing. Can Elijah Arroyo get fully healthy and close to what he was prior to his injury? He didn't really do anything in 2023 because he never really had that confidence in his repaired knee that, you know, the injury he sustained in 2022. Um, and, and look, I think a lot of fans are frustrated by Cam McCormick returning for a ninth year at the college level. But if we're being honest, if if things if if Elijah Arroyo is fully healthy and able to go in a starter role, and if Riley Williams continues to progress uh, here in his second year in the program, Cam McCormick is simply going to be a role player, your third tight end. Um, the reason why he played so much in 2023, unfortunately, was because Elijah Arroyo got hurt. And Riley Williams was a true freshman. So I think the top two tight ends in 2024 are going to be Arroyo and Williams. Um, and for that reason, yes, if Arroyo is healthy, this is a 10-win position group. Um, and then, you know, look, if Cam McCormick is your third tight end, you bring him in in situations, short yardage, red zone, uh, he can help in those areas. So, yes, this is a 10-win position group if – Elijah Arroyo can get back healthy. Yeah. I mean, I think you just scan a lot of tight end rooms nationally and Miami has a good room. Like Miami has almost a borderline, like kind of like intimidating room, especially from, for, from like a recruiting standpoint where, you know, you have a young guy like Riley Williams, who's, you know, got on the field quickly. Like that's hard to do at tight end. Uh, yeah. Having a guy like Riley Williams, uh, Elijah Arroyo, again, super talented, just hasn't really been healthy. Like there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of tight end rooms nationally that have, like kind of the versatility and, and flexibility that Miami kind of has at, at, you know, with, just with that room again, if Elijah Rose tied in one Riley Williams is tied in two and Cam McCormick's tied in three. Like you're, you, you're looking at a pretty good situation. Uh, again, tight end usage wasn't what it's been in the past. And I think that they would ideally like it to be different, uh, but yeah. it just, it didn't play out that way. You have to play with the personnel that you, that best suits what you do and the tight end room, just wasn't that it, it wasn't where it kind of needed to be, uh, you know, last year. And I think that, again, I think a lot of people are excited about the room, even some of the young guys like, you know, Jackson Carver's a guy that is continuing to kind of add weight and add mass that they yep. feel good about as an inline tight end. I think they're absolutely stoked about getting Elijah Lofton into this offense and the versatility that he brings. Like, I think he's someone uh, physically that's going to be ready to kind of go, you know, from a, just a strength and conditioning standpoint, I think he's gonna, I think he has a chance to carve out some sort of role for himself as a, you know, again, as a pass catching tight end with the ability to be a uh, physical, I think that's still an area that he needs to kind of grow, but I think he has a natural will to do that. So, I mean, I think that this is a very good tight end room that has a lot of guys who can do different things. And I, I think that there is, Plenty of value in that. So, yeah, I, I do think that this is a 10-win uh, tight end room because I think there's so many different guys who can get – who can just 
get what they want to get done done. Uh, they you got guys that yeah. can block, you got guys that can catch the ball, guys that can do a little bit of both. So uh, excited about the tight end room for sure. The production needs to improve, and for sure to me, it's a question mark with Arroyo's injury. Um, Riley Williams is a guy that I'm curious about leveling up in year two. I think there is that potential. It's like you're alluding to. It's tight end is really hard to play as a true freshman because. You know, on any given play, you got to go be a wide receiver. And then on the next play, you got to go be an offensive lineman. And it takes a lot, both mentally and physically, uh, for a true freshman to be able to handle that. And I think Riley Williams played, I want to say close, I think it was just under 300 offensive snaps as a true freshman. And that's asking a lot. Um, So I would expect him to level up as well here in 2024. Um, I don't think this position needs to be addressed in the portal. So no. uh, offensive line. Um, I think it was, it was important that Miami retained Jalen, Jalen rivers. Um, he was a solid starting left tackle in 2023. He's also started some games in his career at guard uh, and bring him back as a big deal because he's a leader of that position group. And he also brings that position versatility he is also a NFL draft level talent. He probably would have been selected somewhere on day three-ish uh, if he had entered this year. So bringing that type of player back on an offensive line is a big deal. Uh, now Miami did, unfortunately, lose. they had one more year of eligibility for Matt Lee. That was never really the plan for him to, to play two years at Miami. It was kind of like always viewed as a one-year thing. Technically, he had another year. Uh, Miami... Had talks with him, made him think about it, but at the end of the day, he decided to go to the NFL draft, and Javian Cohen was kind of always viewed as a one-year guy, and he he went to the NFL draft as well. So uh, those are the guys that Miami lost from last year's good offensive line. Uh, incoming players in the portal, Zach Carpenter, the center, the, the man that will replace Matt Lee uh, from Indiana. He has good size at six feet five and 300 pounds and he's got talent. He's, you know, started 20 games at the big 10 level. I think if he continues to improve on this trajectory, he will have a chance to maybe be drafted this time next year. So uh, Miami filled that hole. Now I think if we're looking at the, if we're projecting Miami's offensive line, you know, they bring back three guys in rivers, Francis Maui, Noah, and then Cooper, they bring in Zach Carpenter, so that's four, four of your starting five. There is an open spot for that fifth spot, um, and I think they have some intriguing young players uh, that can battle for that spot in Tommy Kinsler, Samson Okunlola, Matthew McCoy, Markel Bell, the Juco signee. So uh, to me, yes, this is a 10-win position group, Um I'm curious, Gabby, because we do know Miami brought in a potential starting left guard uh, yeah. from Washington, what, Kalepo? Yeah. Um, do you think that will still be a position that will be chased in the spring, or was this just kind of a special situation? I mean, I, I don't think the intention like in this winter window was to – you know, particularly chase a, a left guard. I think that 
they found themselves in a situation where, again, they weren't able to kind of go get a wide receiver like, they t- like we talked about. Weren't able to really kind of get the, cor- the cornerback that they wanted. And I think they felt, I think they had an open spot, basically. I think one open spot. And Nate Kaleppo was kind of available. And I think they kind of pursued it. Uh, you know, so I-, I could see a situation where they maybe do in the spring, depending on how a certain how this competition kind of plays out right i think right. it's going to be an opportunity for all the guys you mentioned and even a guy you mentioned markel bell like if a guy like markel bell performs i think that could be a situation where kind of like you're alluding to like Jalen rivers could potentially kick inside and right. maybe markel bell could play a tackle or or whatever the case is um but i think i think i think at this point you just kind of let all those guys compete and then just see what it looks like. And look, I think they take a lot of pride, obviously, in the offensive line room. And I think if there's ever a situation to clearly upgrade it, I think that they will explore that. So I'm not I'm not going to, like, you know, take that off the table or anything like that. But I am curious to see how this uh, spring competition goes. I think it's going to be I think that's to me, that's going to be one of the more interesting, uh, you know, kind of position battles to watch is just see who kind of starts to emerge as that as that left guard, as they kind of go through that competition. How would you handicap it? How would, who would you, again, there's a long ways to go. Yeah. Spring, spring ball will tell the story, but who do you kind of expect to maybe be the fifth guy, whoever that is, it doesn't even have to be the left guard. It could be Samson or bell or. Yeah. I I mean, I think, I think right now I would probably, I I think I might go Tommy Kinsler um, just because I think that he's just so big and strong. Um, and I think he could potentially be that left guard. I, well, I think a few weeks ago, if you would have asked me, I probably would have said Matthew McCoy. Um, you know, I think that he's going to be a part of, you know, that situation as well. I think he still has more steps that he needs to kind of take. I think he needs to go through. I, I think Samson has an opportunity depending on how he kind of comes back, bounces back from this injury and how he's, how, you know, how much strength he's going to kind of get back. I think he's apt. I think he's going to be a part of it too. And, I think the Markel Bell thing is is fascinating because again, it's just how ready is he to kind of be a power five tackle? I think he, I think they still feel like he still has a lot of physical development to kind of go, and there's a lot of reshaping and and strength building that needs to happen there on on that yeah. massive massive frame. And I think that that's going to take time. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if Markel Be- Bell is going to be quite ready to go. Maybe he will be. It would have to he would have to attack, uh, you know, the weight room and really make strides in the weight room. I think. For him to kind of be that fifth guy in 2024 so uh, i think tommy kinsler going into his second year into the in the program i think that tommy kinsler might be my personal favorite to be that yeah. starting left guard i think on paper it makes the most sense just yeah. slot him into the left guard spot um but you're right i mean there's there's definitely options there and it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Um, let's go to defensive line. And Miami did a lot of work here in retaining some of its key players. So Ruben Bain was the best freshman defensive lineman in the country, and he performed at a high level, of course, uh, right away. And when a player does that, the program has to do what it takes to retain that player. And Miami did that. So that was a huge key. Uh, Akeem Mesador um, sustained an early season injury. He, you know, kicked around the idea of of maybe exploring the NFL draft, but at the end of the day, he decided to come back to Miami and, and try and improve his stock rather than maybe be a day three pick in the NFL draft. Uh, Jared Harrison Hunt, he had one more year of eligibility. I think he took a nice step this year. Um, he does have some athletic traits that would lead you to believe that he still has more meat on the bone to improve. Uh, and he came back this year instead of taking his chances at the NFL draft. I don't know if he would have been picked, uh, but he could have certainly pursued that opportunity and tried to work his way into that back end of the draft. So those were three big players that were retained by Miami here on the defensive line in the offseason. In terms of incoming portal players, uh, they added defensive end Elijah Alston, who was a productive pass rusher at Marshall, kind of a 6'2 and a half-ish, 250-pound uh, pass rusher that, of course, worked with Lance Guidry some during their time at Marshall there. Uh, and then defensive tackle, Miami added C.J. Clark at NC State, kind of a nose tackle, kind of a, a run-stopping defensive tackle. And then Marley Cook out of Middle Tennessee State, who is more of a pass rushing tackle, um, generated a ton of pressures, I believe, in 2022. So outgoing players in the portal on the defensive line, Jafari Harvey goes to SMU. Uh, Chance Williams still looking, I think, last I saw for his landing spot. Cyrus Moss still looking for his landing spot. And Collins Achiampong to UCLA. Other notable losses to the position group, just you know, eligibility-wise, just players that ran out of eligibility. Branson Dean, who came in last year from Purdue, did a nice job at defensive tackle. And Thomas Gore, uh, the Georgia State transfer, they move on to pursue their careers at the professional level. And then we all know, too, you know, I think it's important to discuss some freshmen in this group because Miami did land the best defensive line class in the country. Marquise Lightfoot is an early enrollee, correct, Gabby? Uh, yeah. The He's now ranked, I think, number 34 over on the country yeah. by 24-7. Fringe five-star. Right. And then Armando Blunt, the early enrollee from Miami Central, probably starts his career at defensive end. Let's see how his body grows because he is a young player. Might eventually kick inside at the college level. But even still, he is he has the athletic traits to hold his own at defensive end anyway. So, um Gabby, is this a 10-win position group to you? Yeah, uh, I, I've been going back and forth with this one. Um, 
I think like it, I think it has like potential to be. I just I, I don't know if I would. What concerns you? I don't know. I just feel like just the overall depth. I think on the interior, uh, especially, I think that defensive tackle is still somewhere. And I look, I love the addition of CJ Clark. I think CJ Clark was a big time addition. I think Marley Cook, having seen Marley Cook in person, I think was a really nice addition. Uh, I I think Jared Harrison Hunt was a sneaky good retention uh, by Miami, just because again, I think he's starting to kind of come into his own. I just I just have. I, I feel like defensive tackle is so important. And I think that's yeah. just one of those rooms where you need to be able to rotate so many guys. I have some questions about just the general depth of the room. And I know that there's body types in there that are promising a mod Moten, uh, Josh Horton. Let's see what he can kind of do. But I right. think uh, I, I still don't love exactly where the defensive tackle room is. You added a guy like Justin Scott in the summer, right? He was a five-star defensive tackle who I think has, you know, again, a, an insane upside and a right. crazy but for this ceiling. year. Exactly. But for the 2024 season, I don't know how much he's going to be able to like truly give. And again, I know you can kick Ruben Bain inside and maybe he he maybe helps that room a little bit. And I would feel better about See, that. That's but just... something I think to remember. I do. Yeah. think I do think Bain could kick inside, give you five to ten snaps a game inside or yeah. maybe just goes there full time. I think Mesador, too, can go inside. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I hear you and I, I somewhat agree that there's not like a premier there's not a defensive tackle with premier potential maybe right. like Leonard Taylor had last year now yeah. did Leonard Taylor live up to that potential i think that's a fair conversation to have i don't know i i would probably say not but maybe that's unfair i don't know um but i think i think as a whole Miami's defensive line is 10 win caliber i do i i kind of do have I'm kind of worried about the injury issues, though, of Mesador and Kelly, Nigel yeah. Kelly. That seems to be a thing for those two guys. Yeah. So, and I love the edge room. Like, I love the defensive ends. I think the defensive right. ends. I think they've done an awesome job there. I have no questions about what they can do off the edges. I'm just worried about like those that interior. And again, if, if you an injury or two, like you know, will, which will happen over the course of a season, just when you kind of have to start getting to you know, like really the the meat of that depth. Uh, what does that look like? And again, maybe, and, and these are just questions. I'm ha- I'm not saying that it's bad or that. It's no, I not, know. I, I'm not saying that at all. I, I just, again, if we're talking about potentially contending. For I think something, the tackle, the tackle rooms are the, the defensive tackle group is, you know, I think it could be better. Um, I think that's fair to say. I, I kind of do think Justin Scott is going to see the field early. I don't think it's going to be like a huge role, but I yeah. do think he'll see the field sure. early. And I think, in the second half of the season, maybe that rule grows. I kind of think Josh Horton, let's see. Like, I think he might still be a year away. Yeah, he's one of, that's a big wild card to me because it's just like, where is he at? And, uh, yeah. you know, I get, you know, different feedback depending. Like, you know, again, I, I think a lot of people are just eager to see what he looks like in the summer, like fall camp, like not even spring. Like people think that fall camp will know what Josh Horton's going to be able to give. So I'm curious to see what next steps he kind of takes. I think Armando Blunt too, like, He's very young. He's 16. But hard. it's hard for me to, to throw him into the mix right now. But if he can get to 280 and give you five to eight snaps a game, I don't think that's a bad thing. So yeah, might not be. I'm with you. Like, uh, like, for instance, I think if we're having this discussion next year and we're talking about Justin Scott as a second year player. Right. I think then we feel 
I'll feel better. great. I'm going to feel right. great about this room next year, regardless. Like I feel, I know right. I'm going to feel good about this room. Hundred percent. So that's kind of what we're speaking to. Like we like the long term trajectory, but in 2024, I think defensive tackle is fine, but is it quite good enough? I think that's a fair question to have. I think the defensive line as a whole, though, to me, it is 10 win caliber. It's good. I don't know. It is a good room. It is a good room for sure. So, plus, I like. I mean, Marquise Lightfoot's got to put on some weight, but I like his I like his potential as an yeah. edge guy. Uh, I bet Booker he I bet he contribute. It. I bet Marquise ends up contributing some. Right. So, and Jaden Wayne is solid. Like he's solid. Um, so, I think it's a I think it's a ten win group. But I think the points brought up about defensive tackle are fair because we're talking about ten win being a, a decent standard. I think it's fair to say B tackle is maybe a nine win, but like I would say defensive end is better than 10. So, cause I mean, Ruben Bain's going to be one of the best yeah, defensive linemen sure. in the country. And no I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I do what I do wonder if he kicks inside. I'm not saying I know this to be the case. No one has said this to me, but I do wonder if he kicks inside more this year that he played last year, just because his body's going to be growing and developing. Um, so anyways, there's a lot of versatility there. Um, and I think, look, those D tackles are veteran guys. I think that matters. So at least they're not, maybe they're not elite talents, but they're guys that are grown men. Jared Harrison Hunt, CJ Clark, Marley Cook are older grown men. Playing yeah. defensive tackle, who've played a lot of, who played, who yeah. played a lot of football. So I think that does matter. Some now, are they like NFL draft guys? Probably not. Um, hopefully, I'm wrong on that. But I think they're good, solid college players. If that makes sense. Yeah. Would you address D tackle in the portal? What do you think? I would. I would. I would. I just think it's again. If this is if you you got Cam, are you, you fine? Are you fine if it's like a CJ Clark type? Yeah, yeah. I'm not okay. even. I'm not saying go get like. I'm not even saying go get a, a a Walter Nolan type. Like I'm not saying you need to get like the best defensive tackle in the country. Yeah, another I would body. just. I would like another. I would feel just better about it with just another veteran body on the interior. Just I think that's think. fair. And and yeah, uh, yeah I'm not asking for. Uh, I'm not asking for a surefire day one or day two NFL draft guy. I just just someone who's been productive at the college level with some you know ideal size, you know six three three hundred. Again, maybe that's a big ask, but you know just one of those bigger guys who's who's played a yeah. lot of college football who who could just be a, a a part of the rotation like that. To me, I would just feel great about what the defensive line looks like because again, love the edge room. We didn't even talk about that much about Elijah Alston. Like, I mean, he's yeah. another person to factor into that, and that's another reason to feel like maybe. Ruben Bain does potentially kick inside because they did go out and get a veteran, you know, big time pass rusher had one of the best pass rushing grades in the country, uh, you yeah. know, in, in 2023. Um, so yeah, I would just feel a little bit better about it, but maybe who no, knows? I think maybe it's fair. feel better about it than I do. Yeah. I mean, we kind of had similar concerns last year too. And I think it's fair to say they felt better about it than we did last year. Yeah. And they kind of pieced it together. I, I mean, really, if you think about the injuries they had to work through on the D line last year, it's kind of crazy that, you know, there really wasn't a significant drop off as the season progressed. I think it did show up in that Rutgers game some, um, but anyways, I I'm with you. I, I don't, I wouldn't be against them going out and getting another body at D tackle, but 
I think you and I would both agree there's bigger positions of need if mine sure. is going to do some spring portaling. Yeah. Um, linebacker. So Miami retained Kiko Maui Noah. That was a big deal. Uh, what? 19 tackles for loss. I forget the exact number. Yeah, I think it was 17 had. and a half. Okay. So 18, 18 tackles 18 for loss, loss, seven and a half sacks. So big time middle linebacker at the college level, 82 tackles led the hurricanes, um, you know, retained him. He's definitely a guy that could have explored the NFL draft as maybe a day three type of guy. Um, so that's big. I would expect him to kind of be a leader too of the defense. Miami also brings back Wesley Besaint, who's kind of uh, still on his upward trajectory uh, as a weak side linebacker. Uh, 44 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss last year. Uh, he will be what? I think this is his third year, third or fourth year in the program now. Third, third for uh, Wesley. Third for Wesley. So it's kind of time to time to go. And uh, I would expect him to, to make a jump here in year three. Uh didn't bring anyone in the portal, uh, but outgoing in the portal, uh, Corey Flagg moved on to Missouri. And uh, in terms of NFL draft or graduation type losses, KJ Cloyd, who was a one-year rental from Louisville, uh, moves on to the NFL level. He did a nice job as kind of like a plug-and-play rotational guy that Miami took in the summer. Um, I think, Gabby, when I look at this group, I like the starters. You return Maui Noah and Wesley Besaint. I think that's a talented duo. And then I think, you know, Miami really likes their young linebackers, Popo yeah. Aguirre, Marcellius Pulliam, and Bobby Washington. I also think a guy like a Chase Smith has something to him too if he can find a way to get healthy uh, from his injury deals. I think this is a 10-win position group at linebacker. Um, but... With that being said, those young guys still have to keep improving uh, and, and show that they can be reliable rotational players behind Maui Noah and Bassain. Uh, I, I I do think that this is a 10-win linebacker room. I think, you know, Derek Nicholson has done an excellent job of leveling up the talent in the room. Uh, getting Kiko Maui Noah back, I think, is huge. I think he's one of the more you know, productive, you know, middle linebackers that, you know, we've had here in a long time. Uh, you know, he, I mean, his numbers speak for themselves. He was highly impactful of Wesley Bassane again, going into year three, I think we need to kind of start seeing, you know, him kind of take that next step in his development. And again, you, you mentioned it. I mean, they, they are very excited about some of those young guys, uh, super excited about Popo Aguirre. They're very excited about Marcellus Pulliam and Bobby Washington, I think has shown some of those flashes too. He's a big, uh, kind of freaky athletic type of guy who I think is still, again, just, I think there's, there's still working with him to just kind of, you know, just make, just like really know the game. Together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Put it all together. And I think that takes just, I just think that takes time. And I think if he does, I think he's going to show some serious flashes. You mentioned Chase Smith, you know, I've, again, I've gotten some really good Chase Smith feedback this off season now that he's kind of healthy. And I think they, they certainly feel like that there's still something there. Uh, and then, you know, again, even the young guys, they just kind of check the boxes as far as like, you know, size, weight, speed, athleticism Mentality. type, right. Uh, you know, between the Darius Hayes, who's a big six foot four, 225 pounder. So has that size. And then, uh, you know, Bobby Pruitt's a guy who, you know, played like hybrid safety and wide receiver 
at the high school level. And they're super, super stoked about what he could potentially be once they, once he physically matures. So I, I think that the linebacker room is, is definitely trending in the right direction. And I think that there's talent again, some of those young guys need to kind of take that next step. They need to level up uh, as they continue to develop. And I think that they will here over the next nine months. And I think, you know, I'm, I would expect to see some of those guys play uh, like the Guires and the Pulliams. Uh, I, I would expect those guys to be a part of the rotation uh, in 2024. Yeah, I don't think this group needs to be addressed in the portal because like you're saying, they, they've they recruited well. So would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the only way just in general that they would go into the portal if, it, if it's like an elite guy, right? Like I think if yeah. it's just one, if they can get their hands on like a big, big time linebacker, I think I don't know if they would necessarily push that away. I think they kind of kicked the tires on some options here in, you know, during the winter window, but just never really kind of made that that press. Um, so I, again, I think only if it's a dude that they feel like is like a clear cut difference maker, like going to take, like elevate the room to a whole new level type. I don't think that they would just take a body of like a depth piece or someone they feel like would just be a rotational guy. Only if it's a dude is how I kind of, uh, kind of read that situation transfer wise. But I, I would expect that the room kind of stays intact as is. I saw cornerback, uh, Miami was able to retain for now, Damari Brown who flashed some ability as a true freshman at Miami, started three or four games there at the end of the season. Still probably one to keep an eye on here in the spring window because his brother, Devontae, transferred to FSU, and there's a lot of connections there with Pat Sertain, who was the head coach at American Heritage Plantation. Uh, He's coaching the secondary there at FSU. And then Randy Shannon was a teammate of their father, Selwyn Brown, uh, at UM back in the day. So uh, Damari's on the roster for now, but that's certainly a situation to, to continue monitoring. Um, they also return Daryl Porter. They also return Jadis Richard. Those are kind of your top three corners right now as things stand. Uh, to Corey Couch and Jaden Davis move on to pursue careers at the professional level. Uh, and, and both those guys did a solid job for Miami in 2023. Um, So Gabby, is this cornerback room a 10 win group to me? No, to me, this honest, like to me, there's like an eight win position group. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe even seven. I don't know. I, I, what concerns me most is just the, there's to me on paper right now, there's just a a lack of depth and, Because I think it's those three and then a significant drop-off. And and even those three, while I do like the talent and potential of those three and and viewing those three through a glass-half-full prism, I can see it. But I also think like, like, I don't know. I mean, this would be nitpicking, right? But I'm going to keep it real. I think Damari Brown is talented, but I do think like speed is a question there, uh, especially if he's going to play on the outside. I think ideally he's, he's more of a nickel but is he willing to play that? I think Jadis Richard has some talent. Uh, he does have pretty good speed and he does have length. But um, personally, like I haven't seen it translate to cons- you know consistently enough. Uh, and to me, just you know, the little bit I've seen of him, he kind of seems like a guy that'll give a receiver ten yards, make the catch, and then he'll come up and tackle and tackle that player right away which kind of leads to you're the type of corner that can be picked on at times. So I think that's something that can be improved in his game. But 
for now. That's my impression of him, at least. And Daryl Porter, look, he leveled up in 2023. He had a good, solid year as a college corner, but there's also some physical limitations there as well. Um, and to me, Gabby, you can't go into the season with three corners. Uh, maybe like, maybe in the summer, Ryan Mack, who's a freshman that will arrive, can provide some depth, but that's asking a lot, if you ask me. Um, so to me, Gabby, I think, to me, this is the the position group that worries me most. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I do not, I do not think this is a, a ten win room right now. And uh, again, I think Daryl Porter, solid college cornerback. Damari Brown, again, I think he still has kind of steps he needs to take. I think when he got an opportunity, he proved it against a good college yeah. wide receiver and a guy like Keon Coleman. So I'm encouraged about Damari Brown. But still, I mean, to your point, what does the, what what are these next four months kind of look like, right? With just the 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 understanding that Devonte transferred to Florida State, plus all the connections that you made, I think that's definitely a situation Miami's going to have to kind of keep continue massaging over the next, you know, whatever this until the spring window is, so probably through April or whatever. And who knows what the result of that is? And then Jadis Richard, I think that they're excited about him. It's just he needs to kind of just put it all together. And I think if he does, he has a, a ton of talent. Like I think he has it, but then it it's like after after that, it's just. It's concerning, right? I mean, I think you got you got Demetrius Freeney in there. Uh, you got Robert Stafford, who we just haven't heard a ton about since he got here uh, a year ago. Um, so, um, you know, from from you got you galley in in, in Melbourne. Uh, again, all your corners that you signed uh, are coming in in the summer between you know Rom Romanus, Frederic, uh, Ryan Mack. Uh, you know, guys like that. I mean, they're not really coming in until until later so you don't even know what you have uh, you know in that in those guys i think that this is just a a must uh you know upgrade in the transfer portal when you when you consider just what does this look like in the spring i think a uh, cornerback needs and again i think they tried here in the winter window to get into yeah. get into it with a couple guys uh you know they definitely tried with trey amos who was an alabama transfer yep. who went to uh Ole miss i mean trey amos was a guy that they highly coveted as a transfer uh, again, just weren't able to kind of make that work. Uh, I know that they kind of kicked the tires with the Jabbar Muhammad kid from Washington, just weren't able to kind of get much momentum there. Uh, so, you know, I think that they're, I think that they definitely tried to explore some of these options that just didn't kind of fall their way. And I think in the spring window, uh, you know, going out and, and signing a, a top corner is going to be a priority. Yeah. And, and I think if Damari does decide to follow his brother, you got to land two. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably get two anyways. Truth, I would get two anyways. Yeah, so. I would go. I think that's got to be a top. I think wide receiver on the outside, two corners has to be, you know, again, if you're if you're talking about prioritizing, I think those are three spots that I would say for the spring and make sure you get what you need. Safety was a position of need with Cam Kitchens moving and uh, James Williams moving on to the NFL draft. Uh, best of luck to those guys. Miami went out and added three. Players in the transfer portal, uh, Savian Riley, the Vanderbilt safety, kind of a smaller sample size player, rotational player at Vanderbilt, but has physical traits that are intriguing. And his production level for his small sample size is also intriguing. He was kind of a tackling machine at Vanderbilt, uh, considering the small sample, the small amount of snaps he played uh, relative to those tackle numbers. Uh, recently went out and added Michelle Powell, out of Washington, versatile player in the secondary. He signed with Washington as a cornerback. 
played some cornerback for Washington, I think his first two seasons of playing there. And then this recent year, played a lot of nickel, played a lot of free safety, kind of played uh, all over the secondary for the Huskies there in his career. So that versatility is also valuable. And then Isaiah Taylor, son of Jason Taylor, the defensive line coach, former Miami Dolphin. Um, he arrives from Arizona as kind of a preferred walk-on type of guy. So those three are, are worth watching. Zaquan Patterson uh, is a intriguing early enrollee freshman. We'll see if he's going to uh, handle his business like a pro uh, as a true freshman here to put himself in a position to earn an immediate role. They also return guys like uh, Jaden Harris and Markeith Williams. Uh, we'll see if they can continue to level up. So, Gabby, do you think this is a nine-win position group? To, or Sorry, 10-win. I just gave my answer away. I think it's like a nine-win, Yeah, which I think is fine. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a position group that I, from a talent and potential perspective is going to take a step back. Can this group maybe be more consistent than we saw Cam and James play at times in 2023? I think that's on t on the table, uh, but in terms of like impact plays, game changing plays, I don't expect this safety room to make those type of plays compared to last year's safety room. Yeah, I think one thing I'm really curious about with the safety room is just like where is Michelle Powell going to line up, right? Because I, I mean, he's almost been described to me as almost like a Jaden Davis type, just you know bigger, of course. So I think he has the flexibility to kind of play nickel. Uh, to play corner or or to kind of be back there and play, and play some safety, some of that free safety. So I, I mean, I'm curious just about, just about how they decide to use him, right? Like I think he has a lot of different. I think he has a lot of different things in his toolbox that could be, you know, again used, utilized differently, or just you know, a guy that can line up differently in different packages or or whatnot. Uh, so I mean, I think Michelle Powell is a good addition, a guy that's won a lot of football games. You know, was on this. You know, the national runner-up started 15 games for Washington this past season. So, uh, you know, a guy that's again extremely experienced and has played in big games. Uh, he had an interception in in the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon. Uh, so excited about him. I'm getting really good feedback on Savion Riley. Uh, like really good feedback. You know, people just he's he's a really big dude, big long guy who you know again sure tackler, a guy that's willing to be physical has is still young and still kind of developing. So I think that there's some promise in those two guys. And then Isaiah Taylor. I mean, he's a guy that I think could be a part could potentially rotation. be a part of the rotation. Yeah. yeah. You know, again, and he, he's a guy that started games at the power five level. I think he has like five career starts at Arizona, which is a good pro. He started two games this past season for Arizona. Um, you know, so he's a guy that, that can be, that can give you, you know, a few snaps, uh, you know, a game and, and, and could, you know, potentially hold his own and is a smart kid. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that this is a 10-win room right now just because I think that there's just too many question marks. So I think it's hard to kind of categorize them as that. And again, I think you can like the pieces that that they have. I just don't think we have enough information on what this room is right now. I think, yeah. you know, Zay, Zayquan Patterson, what's what's he going to be able to contribute in year one? Uh, you know, what's he going to be able to kind of give and how college-ready is he, uh, I think, is something to kind of consider. And if he is then, you know, obviously that's a huge plus. And then, you know, yeah. Marquise, Marquise Williams, how much is he going to, you know, he, he's, he's lean. How much weight can he potentially put on? Uh, Caleb Spencer, can he kind of, you know, just take that next step? Uh, Jaden Harris has to take a next step. So I just think that there's just too much I have questions about with the safety room, uh, which is why I, I can't categorize them as a, as a 10 win, you know, unit right now or position group. What would you say 
is the ideal three safety. If we're, if we're saying, you know, two safeties are free and strong, and then we'll say a big nickel type of safety, right? How would you fill those three slots? Cause for me, I, I think the best case scenario would be Savion and Michelle as your yeah. two safeties. And then Zaquan Patterson as right. your big nickel. Now, is that doable? I think that's up to Zaquan and, you know, kind of understanding this isn't high school anymore and you got to change your approach in college some. Uh, but I think that would be the most ideal safety trio for Miami. Would you push back on that? I think that would be, I think that would be best case scenario for Miami. And again, I think that's all in the hands of Zaquan and, uh, again, I mean, if if he's gonna, you know, it's it's about how he approaches these next, you know, eight months and and how he's going to kind of attack the weight room. And again, I think he's naturally, instinctually, just a fantastic, unbelievable football player. Yes. But obviously, we know it takes more than that to to succeed at the college level, and especially to play early at the yes. college level. So I think, uh, you know, Zaquan has an awesome opportunity. He's played close to, he's played kind of like, you know, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage, and I think he could be the perfect kind of nickel. In, in this in this defense and it's again it's it's balls in his court whether he can go and and take that because there's definitely an opportunity there for him if he's willing to go out and get it all right let's wrap things up here by talking just kind of big picture with miami and the spring portal window gabby and i want to talk about you know this um you know through the prism of should this year should this be kind of a go for it year for miami uh you know, you, you see schools around the country like Ohio State going for it as a reaction to Michigan winning a national championship. You know, their their transfer portal numbers aren't big, but they have a lot of quality with with landing Caleb Downs, Quinshot Junkins, Will Howard, Julian Sayan. They're making a statement that they're going for it this year. Ole Miss, uh, the way their roster lines up, they've added a lot of pieces to complement what is returning there, you know, with a lot of the resources in the portal going to secondary defensive line, wide receiver, Oregon has a very nice portal class. They're going for it this year by adding Dylan Gabriel, Evan Stewart, Jamari Caldwell, Texas reloading via the portal with Isaiah bond, Amari Nyblack, Matthew golden, Trey Moore, Andrew Makuba. So you see these teams uh, trying to level things up. You know, next year, things go to a 12-team college football playoff. Uh, so there is more opportunities for more teams. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, I think this kind of became a question when Miami was able to get Cam Ward in the fold. Is yeah. this a potential go-for-it year for Miami? Number one, go for it in terms of winning the ACC for the first time uh in school history and going for a spot in the college football playoff do you think enough is there to make a case to Miami's collective hey the roster's close we just need two or three more pieces in the spring portal window and if we get those pieces we feel like we can really really have a special season and kind of push this thing forward in a critical year three of the Mario Cristobal era. I think there's absolutely a case. And again, I, I think if you look at the roster and, you know, a lot of things we touched on wide receiver one, I mean, we saw how explosive the offense already was 
you have Cam Ward for a year, right? I mean, you don't just, I mean, Miami yeah. hasn't run into quarterbacks like Cam Ward uh, often. So you have what has been drafted in the last right. 20 years. You have a big time NFL potential draftable quarterback. You need to go get him a wide receiver. Like you have to go get him. You have to give yourself a chance there. You have to go get a big time outside receiver. And if you're going to go do that, then you need, if, if you're going to go all in on offense like that, you need to sure up the defense. And again, I think there's an argument. I think, the defensive line, regardless of, you know, my concerns or whatever, like really, I think you need a couple quarterbacks. I think if you, if you're, if you're Miami, I think again, and if you're trying to pitch, Hey, let's go all in, which I believe they should do. Right. Just because you have the quarterback. And I think if you have the quarterback and you have the offensive line, you have, a, I think the shell is there to have yeah. a, a really good team. And it's like, Hey, we need three to four guys to make this happen. I think that you go, it's, you mentioned the 12 team playoff. I think Miami Coming off of a big, another back-to-back, you know, top five or top 10 recruiting classes, number four recruiting class in the country this past cycle. I think that there's an argument that this thing can just totally take off. If yeah. You are another able to... top five class is going to happen. Yes. Or maybe right. even, a... I mean, who knows? But yeah. If you make it to the playoff, let's say like you yeah. go all in this year and you make it to the playoff, like this thing is just going to, I think mean, about, this thing, it'll take off. what Mario has added without on-field results. Exactly. With the on-field results, again, and I just think the opportunity to get into this 12-team playoff is huge because this is the first, you know, first year of it, and you, I think you want to be one of those teams that just early yes. cements yourself as a playoff contender. Like, if you can cement yourself in the first year of this thing, as like, hey, we're going to be perennial playoff contenders, I think that that just creates a whole new level of buy-in. I think that just creates a whole new level of opportunity from a recruiting standpoint and all of that. So, to me... This is a year that Miami absolutely should, you know, do what it's got to do to get the team the resource or get the team the pieces, what it needs to kind of make this run. Get, give yourself the best chance because you're, I mean, you're, there's already been so much invested into this, right? Getting a guy like Cam Ward. And, you know, I think it's just, I think that to me, it's a clear go all in year. And if it, if it works off, if it works out, the payoff of that is, is, I mean, the result of it could just be huge for the program moving forward. So to me, this is a clear, no brainer, go for it year and uh, make it happen, man. I think that there's absolutely a window for Miami to make plenty of noise in college football. Let's say you are Mario Cristobal and I am the collective and I tell you, all right, we have this amount of money. That's enough to go get one quality, quality player. What position group do you go use that money for? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, I would... If I had, if I only had enough to get one player, I would probably try to get like a big time. I would, I think I would honestly probably try to get a big time quarter, uh, cornerback just because I think receiver, I le- I think the system can receiver would I be fun. The, it would the, put, it would sell tickets. Yeah. I mean, it would just, I, I, but I think that's the system can produce. But they need results. a corner. They need a corner. I think the corner is just, I think corner is too important. I think that's one of those positions where an elite dude makes such a massive difference. And if you're telling me you can go get one elite dude, um again if we're talking about you can get one dude like go get one guy i mean i would go get a corner and i think i would lean on shannon dawson's system to continue to produce results um yeah. you know with what's coming back the receiver would be fun Retur- receiver would be a lot of fun but that the I, I would be sweating on defense right right so all this is to say i think miami's on track right in 2024 uh this is going to be a fun year to cover Again, I mean, we're not discussing it on this pod, but Miami is a big junior day, first junior day for this 2025 cycle coming up on uh, this weekend. 
Gabby will be all over it here on InsideTheU.com. So go subscribe, go follow stuff at that level if you aren't already, um, because this is going to be a fun year, uh, both in the talent acquisition game and on-field results game, because uh, Miami has the pieces to get it done this year. So uh, hopefully this was an enlightening conversation. Appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, Appreciate all our sponsors. And until next time, take care.